0: Hello and welcome to Empires of Eve, the history lectures. This is the first true episode of the show, and it's the first in a two part series called The Venal Civil War. This is part one Free Space. We had a council of war, at which point this
1: very brutal civil war began. We got slaughtered, outright murder and uh, butchery. They looked at it, they looked at the banner, they listened to the story, and they signed up in their thousands. Why don't you come out and fight for the Venal Alliance against the fountain oppressors?
0: The story of the Venal Civil War is one of my absolute favorite stories in the history of Yvonne Line because. It's one of the very first stories that I ever encountered in EVE that encourages you to really look at the big picture perspective of what's going on in the entire star cluster of EVE Online. And it's fascinating because it's this kind of Prometheus moment for the EVE Online community where for the first time they really start to experiment with this idea of manipulating the truth and trying to use the truth as a weapon to influence public consensus. And we start to see people coming to power in EVE Online for the first time who have an understanding of how truth itself can be twisted and how that truth can be twisted towards certain ends to accomplish certain goals. And so that's something to look out for in the events that are coming ahead. And probably one of the best things to be thinking about during this story is how these characters are going to use the different tools at their disposal in order to get what they're after. A lot of these characters are going to be realizing for the first time the amount of power they truly wield and how much that power can actually do for them. And sometimes those tools will be military in nature. Sometimes they'll be related to trade or economics. Um, But in EVE, sometimes the best tool is public opinion. And we're going to see one character in particular come to power basically exclusively because of how good they were at controlling the message of what was happening inside of EVE Online. And I also love this story because it's a story that's ideologically driven. The characters in this story are going to be willing to go to greater lengths than they usually would because what's happening involves something that they deeply believe in. You know, in other areas of EVE Online in its very early history, a lot of the conflicts were roleplay conflicts. People would almost pretend to have wars against each other. But this was a moment where the war that's going to break out is going to break out because there is no political means for preventing it from breaking out. It's a situation that spirals out of control and tempers flare and emotions get heated. It's a situation where ideological forces become pitted against each other and there is no resolution between them. And the story of the war is the story of how that gets resolved. And so this story takes place way back in 2003 And so to understand the story that we're going to be talking about, you have to kind of mentally take yourself back all the way to 2003 and try to remember that 2003-era internet. Because EVE Online always takes place to some degree on the internet. And the internet will be a constant character in this story as we go forward. And so this story takes place in the 2003-era internet. And so things like voice communication are very rarely used If you wanted to communicate with somebody, you would do so over instant messenger. Nowadays in EVE Online, you can have hundreds of ships in a battle and not really even break a sweat. But in this era of EVE Online, even a couple dozen people in a fight was a huge battle. And so there are all of these realities to playing a game in 2003 that really need to be kept in mind because that's the toolkit that is available to all of these people. You know, the majority of this drama is going to take place on the EVE Online forums and in text chat because that's just the era of the internet that we're dealing with. So the first group that I want to introduce you to that's going to become really important in this story is an organization called Evolution. And Evolution is this organization of extremely hardcore real-time strategy gamers that comes from the community of a game called Homeworld, which predated EVE. So Homeworld is this really complex, really difficult uh, online strategy game where you would command dozens or hundreds of ships in massive battles, which looked a lot like EVE Online from the sort of grand strategy perspective. And so this group within Homeworld decides, this is our opportunity to get in on the ground floor and really take a dominant strategic hold over EVE Online. And so when EVE Online is still in beta, this organization from Homeworld called Evolution sends an actual physical letter to CCP Games and tells them some of the things that they want to do in this very unique and open universe of EVE Online. And CCP Games reads the letter and invites them to join the beta test of EVE Online. And Evolution gets into the beta and begins planning immediately. They begin practicing how to set up their organization as efficiently as possible. And there was this really unique factor about the beta of EVE Online and the betas of all games back then, in which CCP Games would have to wipe the servers over and over and over again in order to test new builds of the game, which meant that all of the players and organizations were constantly having their progress reset almost weekly. And so by the time EVE Online had launched, the servers had been reset dozens of times, And Evolution used this opportunity to iterate on their construction of their corporations so that when EVE Online finally launched to the public, they were a finely tuned machine that knew exactly how to get rich quickly and build an armada of ships. Their organizational structure could most accurately be called something like a communist dictatorship, where you were expected to donate all of your goods, all of your ships, all of your money to the larger organizational whole. And that organizational whole was directed by a small council of leaders, which were led by the figurehead of Evolution, a character by the name of Sir Mole. And Sir Mole is sort of the stone-chinned leader of Evolution. You know, his character avatar was of this very regal-looking older man with a sneer on his face, the kind of looking down at his enemies. And Sir Mully was renowned throughout EVE Online as one of the best fleet commanders in the game, anywhere in the game. He was a brilliant tactician. And this is what vaulted him to the top of this very strict, very unique organization called Evolution. And one of the other reasons why he was such a recognizable figure was because he had this really unique voice. He was a Swedish guy who spoke in a very deep voice, and so when he spoke in English... Everybody knew who this guy was. You could pick his voice out of the din of dozens of other people who were talking, and you would know that now was the time to shut up. Because Sir Mollet was kind of a ruthless character. He loved his own corporation, but his aspiration within Eve Online was to become a dictator. He wanted to topple other organizations, and he wanted to take over Eve Online. But he was also tremendously theatrical, and I think to an extent he craved the attention of the Eve public. Because, you know, what's the good in being the best if everybody doesn't know it, you know? So he made sure that they were paying attention by being the most entertaining guy around. But not entertaining in the way that he was like a jokester or a prankster. He was entertaining because he role-played the dictator character. So when Sir Mole beat you, he would rub your nose in it by writing essentially science fiction about how he had just done it. He would post these long speeches in character and he would threaten his enemies publicly on the forums, sometimes in these amazing florid speeches that I can't wait to read for you later on in the show. This was just an amazing guy to behold. And the other organization I want to introduce you to is this organization called the Venal Alliance. And the Venal Alliance is headed up by this organization called Jericho Fraction. And Jericho Fraction is essentially the exact opposite of evolution. Evolution is this hardcore strategy gamer group, but Jericho Fraction were actually live-action role players before EVE Online. Before joining EVE Online, Jericho Fraction was part of this very large LARPing organization in the United Kingdom, and it became so large and so intricate that politics and subterfuge and backstabbing became an extremely large part of the game for these players. And at the head of Jericho Fraction was this character named Jade Constantine. And Jade Constantine is one of the most divisive characters in the history of EVE Online. Some people found her to be extremely inspiring, but others thought she was incredibly annoying. And Jade became sort of infamous in the EVE Online community because basically every day she would post these like thousand word long rants on the forums that were intended to shape people's perspective about what was going on in the EVE Online universe. It was propaganda. Jade sort of masqueraded as a free source of information, but in reality was trying to shape the way people saw current events. So right away when Jade Constantine and Jericho Fraction join EVE Online, Jade establishes a sort of ethos for this organization. She establishes what they're going to be fighting for inside of this game world. And what Jericho Fraction is going to be fighting for in this story is a concept in EVE Online called Free Space. And what that means is that in EVE Online, there are basically two types of player organizations who conquer star systems. There are those that militarily lock off those star systems for their own private use and kill anybody who comes in. And then there are organizations who don't seal off their borders and invite anybody to come in and conduct trade or do business or play around with your friends, do whatever you want to do. And Jericho Fraction believed in this very intensely. And it's this concept that's going to form the basis of their ideology throughout the rest of the story. Ultimately, Jericho Fraction wanted to see themselves as freedom fighters who were trying to prevent organizations from rising in EVE Online who had the capability to seal off entire parts of the game world and make sure that players couldn't experience those parts of the game. Jericho Fraction and Jade Constantine wanted the areas of EVE Online with their unique types of gameplay and their mineral wealth to be open to the rest of the public of EVE. And Jade Constantine was a character who was played by this guy from the United Kingdom named Andrew. And the reason why I still refer to Jade by the pronoun she is because Jade was a fundamentally different person than Andrew. She was a full-on roleplay character who wrote differently than Andrew, who acted differently than Andrew, who spoke differently than Andrew. It's kind of a fascinating reality of Eve and online games broadly. There are sentient characters who are impacting the course of events in this story, who aren't exactly real people. So Jade is a different person, but the two people, Jade and Andrew, did overlap in really fascinating ways. And I want to play a clip for you from my interview with Andrew that I think helps define the mindset of Jade Constantine better than anything that I could personally describe. So the following clip is the player behind Jade Constantine.
1: So I started doing humanities, moved into English mythology and a bit of Welsh mythology, ended mm-hmm. up getting a master's degree in Arthurian literature. I love this stuff, and I love mythologizing conflict. Finding the narrative for a war is the main challenge for it. There was a story that um, I always used to tell people. Are you aware of the, the king, King Henry II? Context-wise, he's the king that comes before Richard the Lionheart and Prince mm-hmm. John from sort of like okay. um, Robin Hood legend. And basically the story about Henry II is he, he came out of a period of, uh, of English history called the Anarchy. Where effectively, sort of, various weak kings were basically feuding, and there was no unified authority. And he was basically a very young man that fought against his father, fought against his brothers to make mm-hmm. himself the unchallenged king of England um, at a very young age, and um, married one of the most powerful and wealthy women in all of Europe, Eleanor of Aquitaine. And one of the things that happened early in his life is that he he basically was He was trying to unify the British Isles, and we had holdings in France, holdings in Ireland, holdings basically all over the place, and there was rebellion everywhere. And he'd gone with his army to Ireland, basically to put down a a rebellion, and another giant rebellion had cropped up in the middle of England. And he basically had to come back, and his route took him through Wales, which was a potentially hostile territory at that point, and he ended up having a couple of thousand men to fight 20,000 men in England. And one of the things he did was that he had local seamstresses sew a dragon banner, literally a big, bold, white banner with a red dragon on it, and then for storytellers and minstrels to basically just uh, to make some stories of King Arthur and how King Arthur had been seen again. And King Arthur mm-hmm. of the Britons was basically going to be coming through Wales that winter, mm-hmm. effectively, and sent them ahead of him into Wales. And he's a handsome guy with his people done up as exceptionally sort of like flashy knights. And he mm-hmm. arrived with practically nothing on the shores of Wales. And people just bought it. They looked at it. They looked at the banner. They listened to the story. And mm-hmm. they signed up in their thousands. The pure story of blag and song and a story and a legend had built him an army from nothing. And he was able to, uh, to win that particular stage of the civil war and would come to make himself the most powerful man of the Angevin dynasty. And later on in his sort of reign, he and his uh, wife Eleanor effectively invented chivalry. They effectively invented the tales of Lancelot. He had just created this golden age, which never existed, but everybody would thereon after <laughs> believe did exist and made himself the last ancestor in that line to just create the kind of myth of English power.
0: Both Jade and Andrew were big believers that the truth was malleable, that the truth wasn't exactly objective, but rather that it was shaped by those who knew how to command enough attention. Because public opinion, both Jade and Andrew believed, was the truth that mattered. And so Jade Constantine and Jericho Fraction get their start in EVE Online as traders. They're sort of master traders who pick apart the commodity system inside of EVE Online and learn how to make money really quickly. And they become tremendously successful at this, and they make a ton of money really quickly. And as they start examining their options for expanding their business, they realize there's even more money to be made out in the northern regions of EVE Online, in the NullSec territories, where that in-game police force doesn't have any sway. And so Jericho Fraction heads out into the northern region of Veno and does some scouting. And when they get there, they find out that there's this organization of pirates operating in that area, just sort of taking people hostage, holding people for ransom, destroying people's ships, and sort of picking apart the refuse, that sort of thing. And this poses a problem for Jade Constantine and Jericho Fraction because if there's these pirates up there destroying their ships, it's going to cut into their profits and it's going to make that plan unviable. It's not going to be cost effective to go up there if a bunch of your ships are going to get destroyed. And so Jade Constantine sets a meeting with these pirates one day. And Jade Constantine opens up this meeting with basically a description of Jericho Fraction's money-making endeavors. Because Jade Constantine knows that Jericho Fraction is a wealthy corporation and that these sort of brigands and pirates from the Northern Territories can't possibly be making as much money as Jericho Fraction. And so basically she shows them Jericho Fraction's balance sheet, and she's trying to make these pirates feel small-time. She's trying to make these pirates feel afraid without threatening them. And after that, Jade comes at them a little bit harder with kind of a veiled threat. She says, let's look at a map for a moment. Let's pull out a map figuratively and look around the star cluster. And so they look at the map and they see in the northeast there's the Forsaken Empire, and in the southeast there's Curse Alliance, and in the south there's Stain Alliance, and in the west there's Fountain Alliance. Every other region in Yvonne Line had been conquered by massive organizations of players. The only place left that hadn't been conquered by the larger organizations was the north. And so Jade basically says, Look, your time is ending. The era of pirates controlling nullsec territories in EVE Line is over. It's only a matter of time before these huge organizations try to extend their grasp and take over the northern regions as well. And when that happens, you need to be ready. And so once Jade has made these pirates feel completely terrified, she comes at them with an olive branch and says, how about instead of being pirates, You become our military wing, our bodyguards, and help us make all of this money. The pirates eagerly accept this deal because it is massively better than the nightmare vision that Jade Constantine has just laid out for them. But even then, this fledgling venal alliance is still kind of small time. And it wasn't until Taggart Transdimensional came to the north that they became a true alliance. And Taggart Transdimensional is the third group that I want to introduce you to, and it's arguably the most powerful group of them all. Taggart Transdimensional, which also went by the abbreviation TTI, uh, was a superpower of the early era of Yvonne Line, and it was led by this guy named Ragnar Daniskjold, who was literally the single wealthiest person in all of Yvonne Line at the time. His wealth was legendary. He was like this ultra-wealthy capitalist king of Yvonne Line. And it's not by any coincidence either, because Taggart Transdimensional itself was a hardcore capitalist organization. Capitalism and money-making and profit were at the core of their identity. The name Taggart Transdimensional, some of you might already have figured out, actually comes from Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, where the main character runs a corporation called Taggart Transcontinental. The whole corporation was an homage to Ayn Rand. These guys were libertarians, hardcore libertarians. And if you're not from the United States and you don't know what a libertarian is, a libertarian is essentially someone who believes in like next to no government, someone who believes in extremely low taxation and a very, very light hand of the government in people's everyday lives, as I think how they would describe themselves. And these guys were bringing that ideology into EVE Online, and it was proving extremely successful because that ideology actually matches pretty well with the universe of EVE Online and how the laws actually function. There is very little interference from the government that you could call CCP games. Most of the time, the players are sort of left to fend for themselves without any sort of overarching governmental structure, and Taggart Transdimensional wanted to keep it that way. What's interesting is that this meshes really, really well with the free space loving Northerners, the Venal Alliance, who are equally afraid, but for very different reasons, of the specter of government overreach. So it's a perfect match. And Taggart Transdimensional eventually becomes so wealthy that it wants to establish essentially a state of its own up in the North and become part of an alliance so it can access the resources it needs to become fully self-sustaining. That's what it's after. It wants to become a fully self-sustaining organization that doesn't have to rely on anybody else to support it. And so, basically what's going on is that Taggart Transdimensional is trying to build an entire fleet of the most expensive ships in the game at the time, uh, which were battleships. And almost nobody had even a single battleship in this era of EVE Online. Even six months after the game launch, they were still extremely rare types of ships and it was even rarer to see them out on the battlefield. For modern ETH players, battleships were the titans of this era. Ragnar and Tagger Transdimensional are trying to build an entire fleet of these things. But the problem was that Tagger Transdimensional was such a big figure in the EVE Online market that after a while they couldn't help but notice that while they were building these things, a significant portion of the cost to building these things went towards their competitors. They wanted to build it all in-house. And in order to do that, they needed to become expert miners. And that's why they approached the Venal Alliance. Because the Venal Alliance doesn't have a mining corporation within it. So it controls all of this territory out in the North. But nobody in the Venal Alliance was actually harvesting the mineral wealth that was contained in the North's asteroid belts. And this is where Taggart Transdimensional wanted to fill the void in the Alliance. And so Taggart makes a deal with the Venal Alliance and Jade Constantine that basically says, we're going to go up there and we're going to mine and we're going to take all these minerals off your hands that you're not using. We'll even pay you for the privilege to be there. And at the same time, because we're in the same alliance, you're going to benefit from the fact that we're building all of these high-powered warships. And Taggart Transdimensional makes a diplomatic overture to the Venal Alliance and joins as a full member. And so while that's happening up in the north, over in the west, in a region called Fountain, Evolution is taking its first steps into the game world. And so as the story begins, the Veno Alliance is just forming in the north, and Evolution has gone over into the west and formed a group called the Fountain Alliance. And very quickly, Evolution grows bored with this situation, because ultimately, they don't want to be part of a bureaucratic government. This is an organization of war strategy gamers who want to fight wars and instead they've gotten bogged down in this democratic organization called the fountain Alliance in the middle of 2003. And they're constantly being stuck in these bureaucratic meetings about things like territorial mining rights and stuff like that, that they don't really care about. And that was what Eve became for them. It became work. And so evolution decides to part ways with the Fountain Alliance, but not a lot of people really knew that they had done that. And so sometimes later in the story, you will still hear people refer to Evolution as the Fountain Alliance, simply because they were the face of that organization. They hadn't quite yet shed that face. And Evolution leaves the Fountain Alliance because they're going to look for a war, because ultimately their leader, Somole, sees himself as a destroyer of empires. He wants to take down a lot of these other organizations in EVE and eventually take over the entire game world. And there's no organization that Somole or Evolution hate more than Taggart Transdimensional. They had gotten into all kinds of fights in the beta of EVE, and generally their reputations sort of butted up against each other. And it was sort of a situation where people with big egos tend to resent each other because all of them want to be seen as the biggest dog in the pen. And so when Evolution leaves Fountain Alliance and goes to look for a war, they decide that there's no better target than their old enemies in Taggart Transdimensional. And so they head up into the north to try to spark a war with the Venal Alliance. And so whenever Sir Mole needs something done, he goes to his top spy, a guy by the name of Mr. Blonde. Anytime there's a work of subterfuge or spy work that needs to be done, you find out Mr. Blonde, or one of his other various names that he went by, was ultimately the person behind it. And so Mr. Blonde is trying to manufacture different conflicts in EVE. And for the first time in EVE's history, they're starting to use these kinds of theories about diplomatic relations to not try to stabilize the game, but to destabilize the game. Basically, Sir Mole tried to create evidence that Taggart Transdimensional was the aggressor in this war, so that he would have public support for an invasion. And so that's the critical thing to keep in mind here. Sir Mole wants to start this war, but he ultimately can't because if he starts a war for no reason, then all of Yvonne Line is going to turn against him. And a bunch of different organizations will rally to Taggart Transdimensional's side, and there will be no hope for evolution to actually break their forces. And so evolution needs to politically isolate Taggart Transdimensional some way, somehow. But ultimately, Sermole is not successful in doing this. But after all of his plans to instigate a war with Taggart Transdimensional and the larger Vino Alliance fail, he ultimately just lies and pretends it happened. And so he posts publicly on the EVE Online forums, saying that he has anonymous sources who have come to him with evidence that Taggart Transdimensional hired Mu, this infamous pirate organization, to attack evolution. And that is going to be the crux of this war. Sermole so is going to invade based on a lie that Taggart Transdimensional attacked them first by using these pirates as a kind of a military proxy. And Sir Mole announces this war on the EVE Online forums with one of the great posts from the early history of EVE Online, and it reads, quote, It's time. You have been tried and found guilty. The verdict is simple. Annihilation. Among the various accusations are these. Paying known pirates ISK for hits on evolution supplying those pirates with ships and equipment, withholding information and blatantly lying. These accusations have been reviewed internally, and the answer is simple. Taggart Transdimensional will die. Sincerely, Sir Mole, CEO of Evolution. And Evolution declares open war against Taggart Transdimensional. Empires of Eve The History Lectures is written and narrated by me, Andrew Gruen, and is produced by audio engineer Michael Hermes. If you enjoy hearing stories from the history of Eve Online, you can check out the audiobook version of my book, Empires of Eve A History of the Great Wars of Eve Online, which is also produced by Michael Hermes. It contains the conclusion to the story of the Venal Civil War, as well as the ensuing six years of Eve Online's history, up to and including the conclusion of the Great Eve War of 2009. It's also available on Amazon in softcover, hardcover, and Kindle versions. We'll be back next week with The Venal Civil War Part 2, This Treacherous Night.